When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I still think he's the most bizarrely shaped human being on the planet, but... Um, but he's an amazing wrestler and, and clearly a pretty cool guy. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Hello, everyone. My name's Andy Farrance, and I'm here to tell you about a brand new website aimed at you, people on the internet who have Xboxes and like videos. Well, it's Jane Douglas, formerly of GameSpot. Jane, what are you doing here? I'm here to take online video entertainment in bold new directions for the Xbox community. Wow, great stuff. And and who's this? It's Mike Channel, former deputy editor of OXM. Mike, what are you doing here? Uh, you said you found my dog. Wow, what a team. We're here to launch a brand new Xbox video site called... Oh, hang on, can you pause it? So, what are we gonna call it? Outside Xbox? <laughs> yeah, I think we can do a little better than that, Mike. Outside Xbox? Yes. I, uh, I told you not to film that. Mike and Andy from Outside Xbox. How are we Whoa. doing? My God, the energy. Hello. <laughs> Straight oh. in there. Yeah, wow, hit, good. Hit the entrance music. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. Thanks for having us. Lovely to have you. This is the, this is actually a first. This is the first time we've had two people on a, a tag team, if you will, uh, oh, yeah. on Desert Island Grap. So you, you've yep. each picked uh, three matches. So we're going to uh, no doubt be, be, be trying to speed run this to make sure mm. that we get to everything. But mm-hmm. before, before we get into it, um, I think for those who aren't familiar with the channel, with what you guys do, uh, I know you sort of came from inside Xbox, but just tell us how inside became outside. For those who don't know um oh okay great question uh mike why don't you answer and i'll think about it <laughs> uh so what happened was uh, inside xbox was obviously a wildly successful uh on platform video thing and he was very heavily involved with that obviously uh part of the core team uh jane and i obviously dropped in every so often as well uh, it was a thing on your xbox where you could watch it. videos about xbox games like through your xbox uh, yeah. it was quite marketing led but we had fun with it which people seem to enjoy so uh yeah, yeah they they we did that until they didn't want us to do that anymore and then we sort mm. of set up on our own uh which is how outside xbox our now faintly ridiculous name came to be <laughs> So um, 2012, basically. So we've been doing yeah. it a while. Doing it a while. Oh, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a good long journey for both of you. So like, Mike, was there any trepidation about sort of setting away and forging your own path in this 
region. 100%. Yeah, we were, we had no idea whether it would work or not. Um, so we, we kind of took the risk and took the jump. Um, we bet on and, ourselves uh, in many ways with the Cody Rhodes of uh, exactly, YouTube yeah, video like game channels. <laughs> as the Cody Rhodes of video yeah. game channels. Um, but yeah, it, it, fortunately for us, uh, we found that audience and the stuff we were making uh, got a really warm reception on YouTube, which was wonderful. And um, yeah, we've been doing it ever since. Uh, Andy, uh, for yourself then, the, those first, that first few weeks when, when you started out, you've done the Cody Rhodes, you've bet on yourself. Uh, any <laughs> yeah, regrets, any concerns? I'm now dressed as an American flag and I'm <laughs> coming out of my own entrance. You have an Xbox and, tattoo yeah. just tattoo. on yeah. your neck. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it was it was quite daunting um, at first because when I was uh, working at Xbox, I didn't actually make videos myself. I was more of a producer. So to become a YouTube creator, I had to learn how to make videos, which was an entirely new skill for me. And I wasn't very good at it for quite a long time. But uh, we've been doing it since 2012 now. So, you know, I'm in a place now where I feel pretty confident in my skills. But at first, I was like, God, am I going to be able to, able to do this? This is really kind of technical technical work but yeah we got we got there in the end but yeah it was uh, those first few months were were quite uh, anxiety inducing i would also, say also you were making videos for like 200 people uh, which mm. is you know at the time lovely and thank you to those 200 people who've been with us since <laughs> the start but um yeah it's it's it obviously grows exponentially and so the, the nerves are that it will never grow but actually we started to get that mm. kind of snowball effect and it, it really picked up yeah obviously. we started with literally zero subscribers yep. so you're like hey hey nobody check out this video <laughs> think you like it before before we dig into your your matches for the desert island uh, we we've got to touch on the the connection between wrestling and video games uh, because xbox hasn't had a history uh, that is bathed in glory when it comes to wrestling video games we all played wwe raw and then we all played yep. raw 2 and mm -hmm. it was a <laughs> i mean the the one thing that stands out for me for raw 2 in particular is how do you mispronounce your top wrestler's name <laughs> Who is that? Who did they mispronounce? John, it was John Cena, or as he was in Raw 2, John Cena. From West Newbury, Massachusetts, weighing in at 200 pounds, John Cena. Oh, wow. wow. Amazing how you get that so wrong. Yikes. Uh, but but uh, do either of you have a favorite wrestling video game? Oh, yeah. Like, we, well, we talk about this a lot, but like the old N64 ones, like uh, No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000s, those were in well I, I imagine if i went back to play them now they'd be basically unplayable but <laughs> <laughs> like thinking about them with the rose tinted specs those were yeah i spent so so much time playing those back in uh, back in the late 90s yeah i was more on the playstation side so i you know i started off with warzone and attitude which were pretty clunky uh, but had amazing customization options and then smackdown came along and all of a sudden it had gone from looking like a sort of house show in a in a room full of about 10 people to a proper stadium arena and the specials looked incredible and the character models were amazing and they did that really innovative thing for the entrances which was they had the entrance animations but over the top of the sort of titan tron video mm -hmm. um and, and it just like the presentation of that was amazing the the gameplay was so fast and kind of arcadey and I, I absolutely love smackdown and particularly smackdown 2 as well on the ps1 uh, where they started adding kind of table matches and ladder matches and things like that was but that I think, smackdown here comes the pain or was that different? no here comes the pain was on ps2 and that oh, is okay. a, a, another like high point in the series where they they really got into their stride on that next generation of consoles um and yeah obviously people absolutely love here comes the pain as well but you know uh, um i think um 
the thing with video games and wrestling is they've always been kind of inextricably linked for me. So my, my love of wrestling has kind of fed into my love of wrestling video games and vice versa. And so they, they're always going to be connected in, in my mind, at least. So let's get into the, the matches then. So you've each put, brought with us three matches uh, to watch mm-hmm. whilst metaphorically stranded on a desert island because we could all do with time away from people. I don't think we've had enough of that <laughs> in the last 18 months. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's do that. So uh, we're going to go um, back and forth between you both. So Mike, what would you like your first wrestling sure. match to be? I think my first one's going to have to be the uh, match between the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys in uh, the Royal Rumble in 2000. So this is, is a lot about... Uh, you know my kind of journey as a wrestling fan more than the match although the match is absolutely incredible um but yeah it was it was that era certainly as a, as a kind of uh british teenager who didn't have um like sky sports and couldn't watch a lot of wrestling uh the point when channel four started putting the pay-per-views on for a, a brief period in the year 2000 um the royal rumble was the kind of first one they've been they've been showing sunday night heat and i've been watching a bit of that and kind of enjoying that but obviously it's very limited in terms of the roster and so on uh and and so the rumble was the real sort of moment where like wrestling belonged to me finally rather than being something i watched at a friend's house or you know um caught here and there and, and that match between the Hardys and the Dudley boys was incredible. Obviously, Hardys, uh, real innovators in terms of high-flying stuff. Dudley boys with that kind of extreme uh, legacy from ECW. And it's just that that amazing clash between the two of them. And also, you know, I understand it's a kind of gimmick match. And, and you know, maybe some of the purists aren't, aren't so keen on that stuff. But um, table matches are just great. There's nothing like seeing someone blatted through a table. Uh, and obviously the finale of that match, it's not really spoiling it because everyone's seen it, but um, it's Jeff 21 Hardy would, years old. Yeah, it's 21 years old. Yeah. Statue of Limitations has expired. Um, but yeah, Jeff Hardy's Swanton Bomb through through the table, through Devon Dudley on the table was uh, was amazing. It's one of those matches that you could show to a, a non-fan to, to bring them in. Because I know how you say that, oh, people, it's a, it's a gimmick match and people sort of push them down. But it's the whole thing that... We we want to show somebody a wrestling match that is very smash and grab. You know, it, it, it's things that you can't take your eyes off. And this is a match that does that. And you mentioned the, the Channel 4 coverage. We, we've talked about the, how Channel 4 got buyer's remorse the moment they aired this pay-per-view where they went, I'm sure they did, yeah. this isn't a, a family-friendly entertainment program <laughs> that they said it was. You know, you had you had women's breasts and, and swearing mm. constantly. And then, you know, so it was, but it felt nice to watch it on Channel 4, didn't it? Yeah, at one special. point JR says we're about to see some erection, erection destruction, and I was like, "That's <laughs> that's a bit personal, <laughs> JR." Uh, but no, yeah, the, the entire pay per view, yeah, obviously, you know, as as a sort of teenager and and kind of coming off the back of the Attitude Era and things like that, it was a little bit edgy. There's a lot of stuff that definitely wouldn't fly today, and with good reason. Um, but uh, but I, I was obsessed with the the pay per view as a whole. That, that match really. Uh, you know, obviously really caught my attention, but I loved uh, Angle versus Taz, Angle getting choked out by Taz and complaining about it being illegal and stuff like that. Mm. Set him up as one of my favorite heels in in kind of uh, wrestling. Uh, and um, and yeah, also the, the Rumble itself was just an incredible match. Um, you know, Madison Square Garden and the, the Rock going over the rope, but hanging on. What, you know, just that, I've got such fondness for that era. And again, it was tied to, you know, having the video games. It was that same sort of period. And then, you know, shortly after that period, just as the Channel 4 thing was kind of petering out, we got uh, on digital, which was sort of like Sky, but through the terrestrial digital thing. And yeah. then I was able to watch SmackDown in the mornings and stuff. So I've just got such fondness. It was kind of like a real entry point for me. And then and then kind of my momentum as a, as a wrestling fan took off from there and then what was sort of what was sort of heartbreaking was um so i've always loved the hardy boys and and they you know their aesthetic and the high flying stuff and the, you know, the physicality um 
and Andy and I went to SummerSlam back in 2017 and the Hardy Boys were on the on the pre-show and we arrived quite early I thought you know we were able able to head in and and, and sort of get to our, our area and stuff and I get in and there's a there's a match going on and I realized that it is the Hardy Boys and they're they're playing to an empty crowd mm-hmm. um in as part of the pre-show at SummerSlam in some kind of like nothing yeah, tag match the bar- it was, it was really the depressing. Barclay Center and there was probably maybe 10 percent of people were already in at the point this yeah. match was taking place but they're like we've got a schedule it's happening so they were just like yeah. wrestling their hearts out to no one it was uh, yeah, yeah. They, and they were doing that thing where they film it all from like ringside rather than from the long shot so it doesn't look like the entire arena is empty it was really sad and that you know bear in mind that this was uh so this was 2017 in july i guess summer slam is is it july or august august normally, august. Yeah. august right so august um a few months earlier in april the hardy boys had come out to uh, the WrestleMania crowd to like the biggest pop I think I've heard at WrestleMania. Or the surprise return, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the surprise return was only a few months ago, and and you know, I, this is a criticism that is often leveled at WWE. They really didn't know what to do with them after that point, and and so they're there opening, opening SummerSlam to an empty crowd. So I had my I had my chance to see the Hardy Boys perform, and uh, and it wasn't qu- quite everything I hoped for, but yeah, that match um, in the Royal Rumble 2000 was was incredible. I would like to point out that it, while it, your chance to see the Hardy Boys perform was uh, a little disappointing because of that, <laughs> that was the same pay-per-view where we also saw Shawn Michaels in the ring. Yes, that was incredible. But he was dressed as Colonel Sanders for a KFC commercial. <laughs> yeah, he sprinted <laughs> around the ring. He did his entrance, yeah. <laughs> he did his poses, and we, we had no idea what was going on because it, at, in the actual arena, they didn't <laughs> announce everyone, we're going to film a KFC commercial now while a VT package is playing for the people at home. So we were just watched Colonel Sanders doing all of Shawn Michaels stuff and yep. later found out it actually was Shawn Michaels and I that mean, we I... had seen him in the ring. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, it was just conf- confusing. I don't, I don't know if it's still the case, but it was for some time, like his last in-ring appearance was dressed yeah. as Colonel Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> he's was... done stuff since. But yeah, yeah. That's, good. that's good to know. No, I mean, it, it wasn't, it it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless that's a weird that's the that's a weird first time seeing as well now andrew i know at that show uh you got to see some of your bullet club boys as well didn't you you were hanging out with aj styles and finn balor i saw yeah yeah we were doing our um uh it was a junket thing for the game so they had to sort of uh, a press event beforehand where you do the sort of um red carpet interviews and stuff and we were interviewing people about their favorite video games um their favorite wrestling video games from the past and uh everyone was giving us the sort of standard answers they're like oh, i like wrestlemania 2000 oh, i like smackdown here comes the pain and then we asked aj styles uh what his favorite wrestling game was and he was like oh uh virtual pro wrestling too it was only available in japan oh, um, what a boy! And, yeah he and then he just went into this whole thing about how great it was and how you can't get it over here and you have to get these costly imports and stuff and we we're like the deep cut it was amazing do you want to swap <laughs> do you want to swap places aj do you want to do these <laughs> It's like you know more does, about this yeah. than we do. Yeah, it's amazing. They were That's all the... great. It was really, really cool to meet those guys. Yeah, AJ particularly. Uh, Andy, what would you? Your second, your your first match. Let's get straight to that. Uh, mm. So we we've we've touched on a, a WrestleMania moment, but I believe yours is a WrestleMania moment as well. Yeah. So kind of going back to what you were saying about how um, trying to bring people in who aren't really wrestling fans. Like I spend a lot of time trying to convince people that pro wrestling is good, actually, which is hard to do. <laughs> because the very best pro wrestling is kind of story-based and you can't just say, watch this match, uh, because you need to have the sort of the build-up and you need to know who the characters are. You can't just turn on Raw and say, watch these two guys wrestle, and then there's like 20 minutes of chin locks and everyone gets mm-hmm. bored. 
Um, so the match that I've picked for my first match is uh, it's the WrestleMania 30 main event, which is Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton and Batista for the world heavyweight title. Uh, and I think it's a match that really exemplifies one of the things I think is so unique about pro wrestling, which is that you can create these incredible Cinderella moments that do happen in other sports, but happen so rarely and you can't engineer it so that they do happen. Whereas pro wrestling, you can engineer these moments for fans that deliver this incredible like emotional catharsis that if you're say a football fan, for example, you'd only ever have like maybe once every 10 years when your team wins the championship. So this, I mean, it's, it's the kind of the famous match where uh, Daniel Bryan, he was going to be added to the main event if he could beat Triple H earlier that night. Uh, he beats Triple H, but then Triple H is so angry, he like destroys his arm. And then he's added to the main event. And he's against Randy Orton and Batista, who are two like exemplary professional wrestlers. You know, they're massive guys. They've got their, Randy Orton's covered in skulls and he's got his entrance song, which is about how he's a snake and Batista's coming down <laughs> and he's machine gunning everyone. And, you know, they, they're massive, terrifying pro wrestlers. And Daniel Bryan is this sort of little beardy uh, vegan dude who <laughs> just everyone loves because he's great. But he's, you know, very much the underdog in this situation. And also now he's got a completely destroyed arm. He can't even do the yes chant with both mm. of his arms as he's coming to the ring. So it's set up as this total underdog situation. But the thing with the match is that it's so emotionally satisfying because Daniel Bryan just refuses to give up throughout the entire match. He's getting <laughs> the beating of his life and everything's against him. At one point, Triple H and Stephanie come down. They pull the referee out of the ring when he's got a submission locked on. Uh, and then Randy Orton and Batista are like, we've had enough of this annoying little guy in our match. Let's just kill him so we can have our proper match. So they do a combination RKO, Batista bomb through a table. They put it's Brian on a, move, on a yeah. stretcher and they're taking him out. He's in a neck brace, but he sort of weakly fights out of the <laughs> neck brace and crawls back up to the ring. And then, of course, you get the, the incredible finish where after being dead for most of the match, uh, Randy Orton gets Batista bombed. Daniel Bryan comes in with the flying knee and locks in uh, the yes lock and then Batista taps out. And I've never heard a crowd just lose their minds with excitement <laughs> as they they did when Daniel Bryan wins this match. The roof basically comes off the place and it's the most kind of emotionally satisfying resolution to this story arc that's been going on for ages and that you don't really see that kind of thing in any other sports. Like, you know, we've just had the Euro Championships um, and there are, you're watching the final going oh it would be amazing if uh, if england were to win you've got this like young team they're all they all seem like really good guys uh wouldn't it be incredible if they win and then they lost on penalties and you go well that was <laughs> yeah. that was disappointing and that's not the kind of that's awful not the... booking <laughs> yeah terrible yeah, booking terrible right it's booking. not you delivering not break their arms before the final <laughs> yeah yeah it's not delivering on the uh it's not <laughs> delivering the emotional payoff that people want to see, but Actually, I think professional Denmark wrestling probably would have been a better win, to be honest. Denmark had the, I remember yeah, when Denmark exactly. and England sized up for the semis and I was just kind of like, the Den Denmark winning, that guy had a heart attack on the pitch. That's yeah, a, be that's that's the, a that's better the, story. story. Yeah, it is, it's like do it for him and then they, they could win and you know, the place would, would erupt and he would kind of come out onto the ramp and he'd be clapping with tears in his eyes and they'd all yeah. be like pointing and saying, this is for you, man. And it would be emotionally satisfying. 
This is why pro wrestling is great. Um, yeah. But I would say, maybe I'm being unfair, but I see this this match as a very like unVince sort of moment. It's like the least Vince Yeah. Moment. Because because, because you mentioned about how, yeah. Being in two very Vince guys. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned about how like the wrestling's so great for things being engineered, but I think the Daniel Bryan thing was something that was very not engineered. It yeah, was, organic, it was it? company having to, to acquiesce to the fans because... Otherwise, they were just going to ruin the main event. And, and you know <laughs> what? Rightly so. They recognized that like, no matter what they did to try and push the issue away, Daniel Bryan's love, passion wasn't dying. And mm. they're like, we just have... And because it, it was only because it was so close to WrestleMania before they pulled the trigger on it. That made me go, I don't know if this was ever their plan. And forever they'll say, ah, well, we made a moment and all this and they'll own it. I genuinely don't think they <laughs> wanted that at all. I don't yeah. think mm. they did. And then it annoyed them and they had to acquiesce because otherwise it would have been a horrible night at WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> you look at um, you look at Daniel Bryan next to Batista and Randy Orton. You're like, I think it's clear who Vince McMahon would like to be <laughs> yeah. his oh, champion. Yeah. But, but yeah, you just make it so that they can't do anything else because otherwise the fans are going to riot. But mm. I think the fans were, I think part of the reason the reaction is so huge and heartfelt is that i think in the back of their minds the fans thought it still wouldn't happen you know they weren't convinced the wwe would ever they didn't have for this. the faith in yeah. wwe to actually give them what they wanted yeah so when it actually happened you know everyone erupts obviously i i do want to say a word for uh randy randy orton um who back in, you know during the batista bomb and the rko through the table i don't know if you noticed but Randy Orton lands on one of those horrible boxes. Oh, yeah, he uh, lands monitors. on a monitor. Yeah, right in the corner. they insisted on still using in, what, 2014 or whatever it was. And if you look at it, it's bent. It's literally bent by, like, <sighs> Randy Orton landing on top of it. He's, like, bleeding and stuff like that. And he, you could tell there's a couple of, like, real, like, reactions to that to that pain in there. But, yeah, um, yeah it's I think great. Randy Orton gets a bad rap. I think he's a really good yeah. professional wrestler. He's good, yeah. He's and very, Batista very as well. Obviously, Batista's amazing. So mm. it's like three really good professional wrestlers. It's a great match, and it's got like an emotional payoff that I've not seen ever. Yeah. It's great. So uh, let's move back to Mike for your second match then. We've had a classic from 21 years ago that we've now spoiled the ending of. Yeah, uh, I know. Spoiled the ending of I bet, I bet the Titanic drowned sinks <laughs> oh, as well. I was oh, going to watch that tonight. Oh, Damn it. Oh, no. It's livid. They sing and they can't get on yeah. the board. Um <laughs> Mike, what's your second yes. match, sir? Uh, this is probably my my controversial one. I'm sure others have picked it before as well, but um, but yeah, uh, I I love uh, Will Ospreay versus Ricochet back in 2016. The match that that um, angered I think a lot of uh, wrestling fans and, and wrestlers. Um, but I I love it personally. I think it's really really good. I I will concede there's there's some kind of goofy stuff in there but basically if you don't know the background of the match um obviously it's it's over in japan it's a, a tournament a sort of juniors tournament over in japan uh and will osprey's a brit ricochet is now of sort of wwe nxt um main roster the time, now yeah my well, main roster now um but the um regrettably it, it's very it's a sort of like it's like an anime it's like an anime wrestling match basically it's got all all these acrobatics all this high flying stuff um and i will concede that there is some like kind of goofy stuff in there there's the bit where they do the kind of synchronized backflips and land in a kind of like superhero pose which is pretty silly there's some fairly strange like submission holds and things going on um and there is a <coughs> there's a count out that goes to like 19 and three quarters and then they both dive back into the ring but otherwise like if you look at it as a match i think it's 
it's actually just a really, really good wrestling match. The, the pace never lets up. The athleticism is unreal. Uh, and there's a, just a sort of fluidity to it um, that, that clearly comes from, uh, you know, a lot of communication between the two of them and also a lot of rehearsal of those spots because it is an absolute spot fest. Um, but yeah, the fluidity just, just blows my mind. There's a, there's a moment that's not even one of the highlights of the match, really, but like Osprey leaps in and, and Ricochet catches him and immediately flows it straight into a tilt world uh, backbreaker and I'm like that that level of communication uh, uh, and and fluidity is just not something you see that often in wrestling and I think what what the other thing I would say about that match is that there are so many reversals as well and I think it's hard enough to to get that flow with you know moves being executed in their entirety to have you know um good looking reversals that don't look totally pony as well is is another level of complexity so it's it's so high flying so acrobatic ricochet does a double somersault sent on off the off the top rope it's just it's so so cool and i think it got a lot of stick but actually if you go back and watch it it's not quite as extreme as as you remember it maybe there's like i said there's a couple of goofy moments but otherwise it's just a really really good you know high flying wrestling match i i would argue that like it's it's less weird in like retrospect now than say you know the styles taker thing at, at wrestlemania last year which was like filmed in a you know a graveyard or whatever junkyard um i think it's less it's less of a departure from what people would expect from from wrestling than than that and i obviously understand the circumstances around that but also what i would say is that you know this is a this is a match that i don't think was ever really intended to blow up as as much as it as it did it was never really intended for anything other than a japanese audience um and i think the reason it did blow up and the reason it attracted the controversy is that it was such a good match it did actually escape that sort of japanese wrestling bubble um and, and that's because it's a really really good match i think like a lot of the people who criticized it um i think have like a very specific vision of what pro wrestling is it's like if it if it isn't this it's not pro wrestling and generally that's a kind of an old school mentality uh where it's like the pro wrestling that i enjoyed in the 70s and 80s that's pro wrestling whereas there are i think there are definitely different genres of professional wrestling and this was a pro wrestling match which was like look at what we can do basically mm. um and yeah. you know i, mean, I think I mean, the big the big sticking point for a lot of people was the obvious cooperation between the wrestlers which is something that yeah. you would never get in the old days of professional wrestling but you can watch that and you can appreciate the technical mastery of the art form of professional wrestling and still say this is a good professional wrestling match i think absolutely What's and i think you know like uh, uh... You, you see cooperation, you, you see that cooperation all the time. If you're, you know, if you're a longtime wrestling fan, you do see that cooperation, maybe not so much in a single, within a single match, but I, I, it just, it's, it's spectacular. And, and like you say, Andy, I think it's that, that thing of the, the thing for me and all my picks are sort of, you know, points on my kind of journey as a wrestling fan. But I think that that was the point for me that really uh, taught me that actually, yeah, wrestling could be totally different things and still be worthwhile and entertaining and enjoyable. And I, you know, I think there's a, I, the other thing that I, I think was was confusing for people was it was very much a, a wrestling match in the kind of Japanese culture, but featuring two Western wrestlers. So what people saw when they saw that pop up on YouTube or Daily Motion or wherever uh, was a couple of, you know, like Western dudes wrestling in a completely different style from what they, they were, were expecting. Whereas for that Japanese crowd, that was just a great match. You know? What is amazing about um, Osprey and Ricochet is that they, they're still without all of that they're still incredibly proficient wrestlers and mm. case in point was that after that match blew up 
I think it might have been a few months later, uh, at uh, WCPW, which was the the What Culture Wrestling Show. Weirdly, we are we are the outside xbox to what culture <laughs> yeah is our <laughs> yeah. story essentially mm. um well they they the other lads are i was i'm, I'm the fifth beetle i turned up late um but <laughs> they but they have they booked them both to have this one-on-one match and it started out in almost like oh this is the sequel to that match bouncing mm. off the ropes within five minutes of the match the ring the rope broke oh wow. and you go oh and everybody kind of went they're, they're, like we all kind of took a breath, and there there were people everywhere that went, ah, good luck now, dickheads. And <laughs> they, with with a rope missing, they still assembled a very different but excellent wrestling match. Mm. And if anything, it was a blessing that the rope broke because it got them to go, all right, we'll just we'll do something else. And mm-hmm. on the fly, they put on this this hell of a match. Uh, then, but it was all because all this all came about because of. That, that incredible match in Japan. Andy, when we talked about Ricochet there, we mentioned like main roster of Raw, and then mm-hmm. I heard you mutter regressively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, are, you, are you keeping up with the main product at the moment? And obviously Ricochet isn't, it's not in the, he's not having the best of times, it seems, is he? It's hard no, to tell. No. Yeah, he's he's not. But um, I don't I don't really watch the, um, the main roster product anymore just because it's so hard to in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be uh, a network subscriber. I was like, oh, great. I can watch the, the wrestling as it goes out. And then I found out I had to wait a month to watch Raw and SmackDown on the network. And I was like, well, that's, I'm, I mean, I'm not doing that. That's a, that's a waste of time. But then that's how I discovered NXT because that was um, a promotion that I could watch as, as it went out. Um, and I got really, really into NXT and that's where I discovered uh, Ricochet absolutely love ricochet i think he's great i think he's incredibly talented uh i did see some of his stuff after he went up to the main roster and it just it just seemed like again they didn't really know what to do with him where he where he fits and uh it just feels a bit like his potentials being squandered there's such a really there's such an odd disconnect right now between nxt the essentially the developmental brand and i know people will argue that it's more than that but that's kind of what it was there for was to give the people the training and this energy and this edge and this character before going to raw or smackdown and what seems to happen now is you'll have these amazing characters developed on nxt they'll get called up where the rights on raw and smackdown will go um make them a bin man That'll... <laughs> yeah you can you can do a fly we'll give you wings it's like no you've you've missed all of it You've missed mm-hmm. all of it. And, the work's uh, been it, done. The work's been done. Work's just there in, for you. There's a, there's a ready-made it. character for you. And it's like, mm-hmm. so are you still keeping up with NXT now? Well, again, they changed uh, They changed it on the network so you couldn't watch NXT as it went out anymore. <laughs> it's delayed mm-hmm. by something like five or six days now. So uh, no, not really keeping up on NXT these days anymore either, which is a real shame because, I mean, the next match I want to talk about, actually, mm-hmm. Let's roll is, into it because it is an NXT match. The next one, isn't it? It is an NXT match. Yeah. Um, so it's the it's the halftime heat uh, show from a few years ago, which was a a a show that they put out during the halftime of the Super Bowl. So it's like something if you didn't want to watch the Super Bowl halftime show, you could flip over and there was there was like a twenty six minute wrestling match that you could watch, and it was six of the biggest stars of NXT at the time. And this was the period during which I was most into NXT. So it's a kind of it's a match that encompasses most of the performers who I really enjoyed watching at that time. And again, it's a it's another one of these matches that you can show to people to try and convince them why pro wrestling is good, but a different kind of that. So instead of being based around the kind of the storytelling and, and that stuff, this is just 
an absolute spot fest, this match. It's six. So the six wrestlers are uh, Alistair, now Malachi Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, and Velveteen Dream. So perhaps Velveteen Dream is the odd one out in terms of like experience and work rate and stuff. But the, the other five are basically the, the best most proficient wrestlers they've had through NXT in, in years. And they're all just operating at the very highest level. They're, they recorded it in the performance center. So most of the audience are also professional wrestlers. So they know how to react to things and, uh, you know, when to cheer and when to boo, which I think really helps the performance of the wrestlers in the ring. And it's just, it's just 26 minutes of absolutely outrageous pro wrestling, just high spots. Uh, Adam Cole did the, uh, the first Canadian destroyer I'd seen in the WWE for ages. He did a Panama sunrise and I was, I was like, Whoa, I didn't think you're allowed to do those, but yeah, apparently from then on out now everyone does them all the time. But you know, at that point <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Bringing out the big guns. That goes um, back to that move goes back to the, the talk about cooperation though. Right. You know, like, that Oh is, yeah. That is a move that requires so much cooperation on the part of the, the person who's having it done to them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that. I love that match because it's like, um, it's just bodies flying into the ring from all angles constantly. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> relentless and nonstop. Uh, Shawn Michaels is on the commentary for it, and he's surprisingly good at commentary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to include um, an Adam Cole match because uh, Adam Cole is my I think my favorite wrestler to watch in the ring. Uh, he's just so good in the ring. He's so good to watch. Uh, he's so smooth, so competent, so watchable but I don't really get to watch a lot of his stuff nowadays because I generally just watch AEW because I can watch that when it goes out live. <laughs> As opposed and that's, to- and that's a big point, isn't it? Is the fact that it, it's, it's making it accessible. Mm. And, and if you don't have the network or something that vaguely resembles it and you don't want to go down the illegal route, it is, it is, you know, I, I guess BT Sport would have it, but that involves, you know- See, I'm not a fan of literally any other sports. Altogether. I don't- yeah, I don't like any other sports. <laughs> so I'm not going to get a sports subscription just mm. to watch wrestling. But the WWE have made it so hard for me to watch their product when it goes out that, I mean, it, it just it was becoming harder and harder to ignore the fact that they didn't really care about me as a consumer of their products, uh, which I know sounds like entitled. But I just I was like, I mean, if I can't watch this stuff as and when it goes out, then maybe I'll just watch the other thing. And that's what I'm, that's what I do currently. Fortunately, the other thing's really good. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's, we'll get to that with your third and final match uh, in, in a short while. But uh, that, that match, that six man, that blistering halftime, halftime heat six man came mm. out of the performance center where, where WWE spent the majority of the last year and a half, you know, uh, because mm. of that, that thing that's been around. Um, yeah. Uh, how have you guys sort of kept everything ticking over during the last 18 months? Because there's always stories on how, uh, especially especially with channels, which, you know, we've, which have a captive audience more so than ever, but this, but the process can change. How have you guys managed to keep ticking over? Yeah, it's been, it's been tough, actually. Uh, it took a lot of sort of um, learning and, and adapting and things like that. We've, you know, uh, done a lot more recording remotely, um, you know, Zoom calls, uh, things like that. Um, and I, I think we, we do miss being in the studio and we're, we're sort of hoping to, to get back in the studio fairly soon, actually. Um, so that, that'll be a, a real relief. But um, yeah, we, we had to adapt and learn a lot of sort of technical things. But I think we've still managed to make good stuff over the last 18 months, hopefully. Um, 
Uh, and we do things like live stream uh, Jackbox games, which are sort of like party games, basically. And they work really, really well as a live stream thing. So, yeah, we, we did have to adapt and, and change and, and learn a lot about live streaming and, and you know, remote recording and things like that. But, um, you know, a lot of the time for stuff like, uh, you know, if we're playing a game together, you, you might not even know the difference um, in terms of whether we're sitting in the same room or not, because, you know, we've got good quality audio and we've, you know, we're all playing it together and we've got ways to, to stream it across to each other while we're recording and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's not been too bad. Um, but yeah, we're desperate to get back in the same room together. And, and yeah, I do still think like stuff that we record in person is better, but mm. uh, obviously, mm. you know, you need to wait until it's safe. So hopefully soon we'll be able to do that again. Um, but yeah, even like the, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons stuff that we do, that's quite a big part of our um, non-video game offering. Uh, we've actually adapted that to a kind of live streaming mm. um, kind of format pretty well, I think. Um, so I think we've done the best with the hand that we were dealt. Uh, and yeah, there's some stuff over the past sort of year and a half that I'm, I'm really proud of as well. So it's, yeah, it's kind of forced us to adapt and learn new skills, as Mike says. Away from uh, from the channel, uh, Andrew, what sort of stuff has, has have you done to, to keep you mentally sane when it's not Xbox or inside Xbox related? What sort of stuff have you been doing? Hmm, what a what a great question. Well, I've, <laughs> I've uh, trying to keep busy is like important. I, I started volunteering at a vaccine center near me, um, not vaccinating, but just sort of like showing people where to go to get their vaccines, which uh, you know made me feel like I was helping in some tiny minuscule way uh so that was good um but yeah also just like tr trying to trying to stay healthy and fit and getting out and doing exercise and stuff like that i've i've found that a real struggle at the start of uh of lockdown but got really back into it recently which i think is an enormous help actually so yeah that's that's been a big that's been a big thing for me same to you mike what have you been doing uh well I, it's things like um sort of uh i'm a big motorsport fan and obviously I've, I've enjoyed wrestling stuff over the over the last year as well and i think it's those things that are sort of separate from the day job and different from from video games that uh are the sort of thing that give you a bit of a, a mental break i think like a lot of people you know when lockdown first started um i kind of saw it as an opportunity to do a bunch of stuff um and i probably burned myself out a little bit trying to do kind of extracurricular things and, and stuff like that and I think as we've sort of settled into the rhythm, yeah, it's been much more about getting outside regularly and getting some exercise and, and generally, you know, a bit of headspace and things. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, it, it's, um, I think those big events, like for example, the Royal Rumble and Mania and things like that are, are sort of markers of time when there are not many markers of time at the moment. So, um, so yeah, it's been nice to have things like, you know, uh, wrestling to watch and, and those big pay-per-view events to kind of hang it around and look forward to uh you yourself are a race car driver as of 2018 yeah occasionally I've, yeah occasionally <laughs> all this old thing i mean the, the, it's, that's it's amazing that you it's it's like i say it was something that you're up that you it's yes. a hobby of yours that you are now you now do are there plans soon to get back out on the track i'd love to yeah i'd really love to um i it's still i've sort of been waiting until it, it gets safe again um i actually do have a a, a somewhat wrestling adjacent story um to my race car stuff if you're if you're interested I did you meet bob spark plug holly <laughs> i did not meet bob oh, spark plug holly unfortunately oh, um, are you a voice uh, actor for crush hour <laughs> i'm not a voice actor for wwe crush hour um, Damn it. no what what was funny was um so my first race weekend was back in 2018 
and your car was crushed by Stone Cold Steve Austin in his <laughs> truck. Yeah, it <laughs> ran over in his beer truck. Hit yeah. by a Zamboni. <laughs> but we we were at a, I was at a press event for a game called The Crew Two, and uh, another person who was at that press event was uh, Simon Miller, who I'm sure you're uh, oh, familiar I like with. Oh, the work of Simon Miller. Um, and he, I was I was chatting to him about the race driving thing, and he was chatting to me about his journey as a professional wrestler. And it turned out that our our sort of debuts were on the same weekend. So my races. Um, <laughs> We're on the Saturday. And the invites uh, got and... mixed up and you were in the wrestling <laughs> ring. And Simon Miller yeah. was behind the wheel of the that car. Is a, that's a Simon Miller would not fit block. into my race car. I guarantee <laughs> Simon Miller would not fit in my race car. Those anyway, traps, so we had, this, like we had this little deal that um, he was in a Royal Rumble uh, and I was in a race and we had this deal that without mentioning it to anyone, we'd just tweet each other our finishing position. Um, so there's a couple of tweets, if you look back through the archives, of, of me tweeting Simon Miller my finish, race finishing position and him tweeting me his uh, his rumble finishing position but it was great because it was the two of better, us who kind did of achieving a lifelong mm. dream uh who got the I higher position he may have done better actually oh, right. <laughs> he may have done better but it was, re- it was us like it, it was us achieving our, our like lifelong dreams at the same time and so after cool. a ton of work and so it was a really nice moment of synchronicity the i remember i i i I remember the, the the rumble in question. It was uh, for Defiant Wrestling, mm. and the pop mm-hmm. that Simon Miller got when he entered the rumble. Like this is a rumble. Like with with Defiant Wrestling and WCPW, they spent a lot of money getting a lot of people from all around the world. So I think Simon Miller got the biggest pop of the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just funny how it works like that. You'll yeah. spend all this money trying to bring in these big names. Well, Simon Miller, there you go. That's... I'm sure that I'm sure the big names loved it as well, didn't they? Oh, <laughs> could it, I think in general, like the, the the what culture pro wrestling experiment confused a lot of people when like <laughs> yeah. you had like Jack the Job and Adam Pacitti had having longer autograph lines than Bret Hart, and people like, <laughs> why is what? <laughs> it's like the multiverse. I don't understand why this. It is does happened. still uh, does still give me a little thrill when I see a sign in a wrestling audience like referring to Simon Miller. Yeah, it's oh, so cool. I know that it's guy. So cool. Yeah, little and golden he's, up he's sign. A, yeah. He is a lovely, lovely dude. Like it's not, it's not a work. He is like actually a genuinely nice guy. Um, we we love him to bits. So he's a great friend. So um, yeah, it's great to see him doing well. And and he's you know like everyone, uh, I think getting back into the swing of things post pandemic and getting getting back in the ring and getting ready to go again. Amazing. Well, I filled my quota for mentioning what culture this month. So uh... <laughs> sorry. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
your final match, Mike. What's it going to be? Well, uh, so this is uh, another match from the, the Royal Rumble, which I, I would say is my favourite pay-per-view. Uh, but this is the Rumble in, in um, 2017. Uh, it's uh, Styles and Cena, basically. Uh, it's a, it wasn't a match I was necessarily expecting to love as much as I, as I did. Um, I love AJ Styles. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant wrestler. Really, really like him. Um, Cena, I was less bothered about, less interested. He came from a kind of era where I'd... I'd sort of fallen out of uh, out of wrestling, out of love with it a little bit because I felt like um, after the kind of chaos of the Attitude Era and those really big personalities, I feel like in the sort of early to mid 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 two thousands, I guess it became quite funneled into a bunch of guys who all wore black pants and all um, you know had kind of normal names. Uh, they didn't have any, like much in the way of gimmicks, and they were all just massive basically. And a lot of that I kind of I just kind of disconnected with it a little bit and I, th- I feel like Cena perhaps unfairly I kind of lumped him in with with those guys um but this match in the uh Rumble in 2017 from the moment they both step out you can tell they are both so so up for it the energy level even just walking down the ramp is is off the charts um and and when they get in the ring it's just it's too guys operating at the absolute top of their game and i know there's there's a lot of talk about how cena kind of calls matches and stuff but i doubt i doubt aj needs that kind of help or or, or that that kind of guidance so i think it's just two great wrestlers like singing from the same hymn sheet brilliant match i don't think they ever leave the ring they never like actually step out set foot outside of the ring it all is all contained within the squared circle um but it's just it's full of so many awesome uh spots it's not like over the top with spots but there's some really really nice stuff in there um some great reversals and i think um you know that i think it's it, it may well i may be misremembering this but i think it was also the first time anyone had ever kicked out of the stars clash or thereabouts so for, for a long time aj's first year in wwe they were really respectful of that as a move and like no one ever kicked out of it if he managed to get it locked in and managed to do it and i think Cena was like the first one to sort of kick out of it and it's it's there's obviously a lot of nice storyline running into it as well historical storyline in terms of it's Cena matching rick flair's record for the number of uh times as wwe champion um he, he actually puts the figure four leg lock on at one point as a kind of like nod to that stuff so it's just it's it's a more conventional match than the other two that i've picked but i think you know if you're if you're talking about like what i feel like wwe like ought to be delivering like that's that's it that's the match and i feel like it comes um it, it comes off uh, the back of like a cena and styles feud through the previous year mm. which saw aj styles getting one up on john cena and you don't mm. see it very often when it does happen Absolutely, like St- yeah. styles beat cena clean as a whistle the summer slam mm. before and then cena vanished and then this was sort of the comeback and it led to um i remember the one thing that sticks out to me is the finish of that where mm. where because aj been kicking out of aa's forever left right he, and center yeah i seem to remember that john cena had to double down on it and he hit an aa mm. held onto his hand hoist him back up on his shoulders yeah stared straight down the camera like he was going to yep. kill everybody on the other side of it <laughs> <laughs> did another aa and that was it and i was like that was cool yep. i like that that's nice a nice bit of finish to that one but yeah littered with this one do you remember this one andy uh, I don't actually remember this one. I did go back and watch it after Mike told me it was going to be one of his matches. And yeah, like he says, this is the epitome of the WWE style of wrestling, mm. which uh, I know uh, like a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's a very uh, kind of PG uh, safe kind of like not very interesting style of wrestling. But when it's done to the highest level, 
by two world-class performers it's you know there's there's nothing else like it it's just very very good professional wrestling you can still yeah, work we- within the within the lines and make something excellent can't you exactly exactly yeah. that that's, what, that's as, what really appeals to me about it as i understand it cena is one of these wrestlers who can just call an entire match in the ring like they don't plan anything and he'll go in and they'll be like reacting to the way that the crowd is reacting to the match which uh I don't know. It sounds like uh, alchemy to me, but uh, <laughs> apparently he can do it and he's a master of it, which is, uh, you know, a kind of a lost art these days, I think. I think it's cool when you watch Cena walk back up the ramp at the end of that match, you can tell he knows it was an absolute barnstormer. Like you can just see he kind of like, he, there's something real in the way he kind of looks back at the ring and he's sort of, yeah, he's like, that, that, was, a, that was an absolute classic. I don't know whether it was like a, you know, a, a Meltzer Spech or or anything, but for me, that was a real... I, I, you know, it was a real reminder of what when WWE does what it does well, it can be can be mm. absolutely brilliant. And I, I became a much more of a fan of Cena after that point. Because um, you said yourself that like, you kind of lumped him in with a lot of people who you yeah, thought were the detriment of wrestling. And yeah, and you're not the only one either. Mm. And I you think know. he gets he does get a bit of stick, doesn't he? But um, but yeah, after that match, I was like, you know what? I'm a, I would call myself a Cena fan now. I still think he's the most bizarrely shaped human being on the planet, <laughs> but. Um, but he's an amazing wrestler and, and clearly a pretty cool guy as well. I'm surprised you haven't bumped into him on any like the media junket tours and stuff. Because I feel like he's if he's not in a wrestler ring, he's forever on a media tour. Like this yeah. never ending media tour. I don't think we're big enough media. If we were Good Morning America, he'd be coming. Yeah, he'd be he'd us. be interested. Yeah. 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 But um he's, but too, that, uh, he's top tier. That was the that was the cool thing about um that junket that we were at at, at SummerSlam was I was able to say to AJ Styles that match with Cena was like top tier it was so good and it was it was nice to be able to tell him that in person and actually one of the quite cool things again like a, a weird sort of nice little surprise was that um when they did the when they did the wrestling game that year the wwe game uh they did like a, a sort of special scene enough edition and one of the things in there is a little scrap of the canvas from that very event and from that very match um nice. so actually like weirdly um just by complete chance one of my favorite matches of all time uh, I actually have a, a scrap of the ring canvas in my in my home, which is yeah. quite cool. There's probably some John Cena sweat in that. Yeah, yeah. Get I could out, probably clone him and, get some and create DNA. an army of giant upper body, you know, like yeah. <laughs> super soldiers. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any wrestling memorabilia, Andy? Do I have any wrestling memorabilia? I've well, seen I've the Brody Lee T-shirt on the camera. So there's oh, there's I've got t- I've got that. tons of T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, loads of T-shirts, but in terms of actual memorabilia, no, I don't think I do really like i go to events and i see those like 800 dollar replica belts and i'm like that's not really <laughs> not really for me um just do but, what i do and buy the 30 quid like uh child's like kids toy version. that doesn't fit around a human waist yeah i've got the said, i've got the u.s championship one <laughs> yes I will, say, I will say i was at um uh c2e2 which is the comic-con in chicago last year and they had the um the aew uh action figures um just it was just before they came out but they had a like, display case full of them and those are some cool action figures they look really good really realistic and uh yeah really well made so i don't know i was it's kind of eyeing those up but then um then the pandemic happened so i didn't get any um, but uh, <laughs> it's it's it nicely brings us to aew uh, your final match andrew mm. it is an aew match isn't it yes well i couldn't not have an AEW match because it's all i've been watching for like the past two years uh and i really like it love watching uh, dynamite every week i get all the pay-per-views and the match that i've chosen is the uh hangman adam page and kenny omega versus the young bucks uh tag team title match from uh, revolution last year which um was 
one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. And also, I think there's a kind of a, a personal thing in that it's the last wrestling event that I went to in person before the pandemic and before everything shut down. So I've got kind of residual fondness for it because of that um, actually being there in a crowd full of wrestling fans watching wrestling, which is, you know, one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but yeah, it's an absolutely phenomenal match. I mean, the in-ring stuff obviously is great. They're all very talented professional wrestlers. I'm not telling anyone anything new there. But I think the story of this match is one of the one of the more kind of complex and nuanced stories I've ever seen in professional wrestling. So if you're unaware of what the situation is, like uh, these four wrestlers, the Young Bucks, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, and Adam Page, they were all together as part of the Bullet Club in Japan. They were all kind of regulars on the YouTube show being the elite. They were kind of a four-person like core unit before AEW was set up. And then AEW gets set up and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are all named as executive vice presidents of the company, but Adam Page isn't, crucially. And then they've got this storyline of Page sort of questioning himself and his own abilities because his friends are kind of succeeding above what he is he he lost uh, the first ever world championship match to chris jericho which knocked his confidence and then they've got this storyline where he's starting to drink more and his friends are concerned about him but then him and kenny omega managed to capture the tag titles because they are undeniably excellent professional wrestlers but the young bucks their whole thing is tag team wrestling and they're jealous that they, as a tag team, can't win these titles that their friends who aren't a tag team have won. So you've got this incredibly nuanced situation where you've got people who should be happy for their friends, but they can't because they have professional jealousy of them. And Plus, Kenny's getting frustrated with uh, with Hangman Adam Page as well at the same time. So there's tension within there. I, it's it's such a good story, Andy. And I I I rewatched this match um, when you mentioned it, and what I love about it is that the storytelling is happening in the ring as well. I've never seen mm -hmm. more sort of like narrative beats within a match ever. Yeah. I mean, you've got uh, Matt Jackson gives a kind of condescending um, handshake offer to Adam Page. Adam Page spits in his face. Uh, you've got Kenny Omega being literally pulled in two directions by the Young Bucks and by and by Page, you've got Omega unable to do his finishing move, so Hangman does it for him. He hits the one-winged angel on one of the Young Bucks. Um, yeah, and I think the Young Bucks are, are better as heels, I think, anyway. Um, mm -hmm. I think they're an incredible heel team. And they weren't officially heels at this point, but in this storyline, to me, they absolutely, they absolutely are because they are having all this success and they just, they want more and more and more. They want to be the tag champions as well. And all Adam Page has at this point is the tag team titles. And they can't, they can't see that because they just have this tunnel vision on the titles and they just think that he's being completely unreasonable. He thinks that they're being unreasonable. Kenny Omega's like, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the middle of all this. It's honestly one of the most like clever and nuanced stories I've seen in like any, any kind of uh, fiction. You know, I don't, I don't think you get these kinds of stories examining these kinds of relationships where friends are succeeding above other friends and they're sort of like struggling to, to deal with that and how does it affect the relationship. 
And yeah, it's it's incredible. It's just an incredibly well done story that happens to also be a professional wrestling match. A really good professional motion wrestling match. Yeah, and the, and the and the wrestling is great, and they're going like people are doing uh, buckshot lariats on the on the ramp, and you know all sorts. Yeah. And then Hangman, buckshot lariats, both bucks gets the pin himself, basically wins the match himself at the end. And then they're all like tussling over Kenny, and oh man, it was just it was but, great. And actually, right, right so at the end, on, like right at the end, um, he looks like he's about he's sizing up Kenny for a, a buckshot lariat as well. You see, at the yeah. end of the match, he goes up to the, the ropes and he's holding onto it, and he thinks about it, and it's like, wow. And then they don't do it, and that, I think that's it's that like you're saying, Andy, it's that level of restraint, right? Like the big the big story moment in a, any other wrestling match would be that he, you know, at the end of the uh, match, he betrays his tag team partner by hitting with a buckshot lariat. In this, mm-hmm. they have him think about it and then he doesn't do it. And then they hug and they walk up the ramp together. It's like, it's those little differences that I think are, are really cool. But it's a storyline that's still going on because it's feeding into the current championship mm-hmm. picture in AEW because they're building to Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page because now... Omega has gone full heel and he's joined the kind of jerk ass elite or whatever they call. I don't know what they're called now, but um, yeah. And so you've got this kind of this redemptive arc where it's, it's now very clear who the, the face and the heel are in this, in this dynamic, but it's still feeding off that insecurity that Paige had from the situation that he was in at revolution by like over a year ago. Incredible. And this is one of the things that I think AEW stands out for, but with for yourself, Andy, like access aside, obviously, because, WWE is trickier to watch over here than AEW. Um, what is it about AEW that that just makes it hit better? I, I feel like they just let people be themselves more, which I, I mean, it just has more of a genuine feel to me. It's like wrestlers will sink or swim based on not only their like their abilities, but also their you know how they connect with a crowd on their own terms, which. I think is is the best way to do it. Whereas in WWE, where you're being told to do what to do by a team of writers, you have certain restrictions on what you can do in the ring. I think that's uh, that's a lot more limiting. So it feels it just feels more genuine and more like people are being allowed to do what they want to do. Plus, I mean, the in ring stuff is is great. Everyone there is just a really good worker, generally, um, from what I've seen. And uh, you know, storylines that actually pay off. You know, they set things up and then they pay off. What a concept. But it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, something that I no longer take for granted. Yeah, they do. They do play to the audience far better than WWE, and and it's a it's a it's an it's a, something we talk about a lot. And I don't like talking about it because I want everyone to be good. I want everyone yeah, yeah. to do well. Like there is this, this thing of oh, you just you just like bashing WWE. No, I, no, I don't. I don't want to. I want I want to be able to celebrate how great Raw is on a weekly basis. But they're just they're so far removed from everything at the moment, and they're making money despite themselves. So I don't know when that will change. But AEW, you get that sense of urgency because mm. they are whilst they are a well-funded company they've not they've not got coffers as deep as wwe to the point where if they had randy orton blowing his nose for three hours on raw the show would still make bank like <laughs> there is still that and and you know wwe is a is a brand name you know it's it's mm-hmm. you know, when people talk about wrestling they say wwe when they may mean aew in the same way that when we ask for a vacuum cleaner we ask for a hoover it's that and that's and that and that embedded mentality they've got all of that going for them and they can just coast but aew has that urgency to, I, to, I feel to like um 
I feel like probably I don't want to you know put words in people's mouths, but I feel like probably Vince still sees sort of AEW as at that that level of NXT, um, mm. and you know they were obviously put pit, pitted against each other on Wednesday nights, and um, I guess Vince got his nose bloodied a bit by by that that matchup, but I think he still sees AEW as a uh, as only a threat to to NXT, um, and actually I think he needs to be more worried. I think the point when WWE will step their game up again is when the AEW starts creeping towards like you know taking money away from from the main show the main the main roster and stuff taking eyes um, and cash there yeah i think exactly, like, I, yeah. I i do really like AEW but if i were to name my like favorite promotion and era of recent professional wrestling it's that it's that NXT era like 2017 it was so 2018 it was so good I, yeah it was great the all the takeovers, takeovers were was incredible fantastic yeah, that so was the good. same era I, I i did manage to get out to the performance center for a for a press trip it was um one that adam uh Pichici was on as well and uh it was like uh it was like disneyland or something i was like every you know all the people i watched on tv every week that i was like i got a selfie with otis I saw uh, <laughs> Rick Boogs cutting, doing promo practice in the green screen room. Uh, got to talk to um, Matt Bloom, you know, head head trainer over there, and I was like, "Oh man, uh, what what a day, what a time for professional wrestling that was." <laughs> um, but yeah, NXT, NXT in that era, like uh, Champa and Gargano, and you know Adam Cole, and without that pressure um they they succeeded because it was as soon as it went up against aew it was like right we need to make this a weekly program where we need things to happen quickly come on let's go let's go and where when nxt was just left just to exist and do its own thing it drew it drew eyes but then as soon as more eyes were looking at it then the bigger boys get involved and have to mess with it and and, and yeah. that. that's why that yeah, era is so special they were, they were leeching the talent they were leeching the talent away from NXT for the main roster as well. And then like, like leaving these people to just wither on the vine, in, mm. you know, because they, they were already had more people than they knew what to do with. Yeah. They it's don't have shame. anything for them, but they don't want NXT having them either. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> This is odd. But also like those old NXT shows used to be an hour long, which is a great length of time oh, for a professional wrestling TV show. Isn't it just, we do, yeah. uh, we do a raw review uh, oh on the goodness. podcast feed where we, <laughs> thankfully not the latest ones because, but we're watching them from like 1993 onwards and like raw oh. in 93 lads, 43 minutes long. Perfect. Oh, really? What a, what a treat! Ah. It's three. It's what three hours now? Three oh, bloated, sad hours now. Three hours, uh, but forty-three minutes. I can. That's I'm like that's like Hamlet. About that. Yeah, <laughs> Hamlet every week. Yeah, but, it's oh. not necessary. It, and it, it, you're right. It, it really isn't. It really isn't. Uh, uh, so, outside Xbox, looking ahead, uh, what have we guys got coming up on the channel that that you want to shout about? Anything? Well, we're getting uh, to a point now where we're sort of coming back, the world's yeah. getting back to normal. Have you guys got something, anything special planned? I think just our return to the studio, as we said, we've, we've sort of been planning that as, as the world opens up again. So I think that will, uh, I think you'll see an explosion of sort of kind of different in-person content. Yeah, content. in-person stuff, which I think, as Andy says, does have its its own like uh, atmosphere and vibe that I think people are really going to get a kick out of. We're going to get a kick out of mucking around in the same room together as well. So that's, that's, the thing really i wouldn't wouldn't like to promise a, a specific video or or whatever just just come and check it out if you like video games and and you know we have a lot of fun making it or uh, dungeons and dragons or dungeons we do that dragons as well and hopefully we'll be able that's what i'm most looking forward to is doing a live D show again because those yeah, are fun. those are great and we haven't done them for too long now so where can people find you online then do all the plugs 
All right. We're at uh, youtube.com slash outside Xbox. Uh, we're also on Twitter, outside Xbox, Instagram, outside Xbox official. We have a sister channel called Outside Extra, which covers things other than Xbox and, you know, does various other bits and bobs, and they're great as well. So mm-hmm. if you want to check out our D&D, you can search Oxventure on, yep. uh, on YouTube and check those videos out as well. And we, uh, we, yeah, we have a, a bunch of wrestling videos on Outside Xbox as well. So if you want a, a starting point as a wrestling fan, um, we did that video that Andy was talking about where we talked to wrestlers about their favorite uh, wrestling video games. It's really interesting. Uh, it's lots of fun stuff in there. So yeah, we, we, we love wrestling. We love wrestling games. So um, if that's your entry point, then, then enjoy. Then a playthrough of Raw 2. Yep. That's one coming. day. One day. Tom we were going to keep it a surprise, but yeah. <laughs> yes. <announcement. laughs> Do it. I'll wait um, to see John's say- Sena. John Sena. <laughs> Sena. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.